Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, welcome to the Heart Over Hype podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Shamar Charles. This podcast focuses on the goal of providing unique and culturally sensitive perspectives on physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health and wellness. Our goal is to provide you with the best millennial and Gen Z health news you can use. If you like this podcast, follow us on Instagram at HOHThePodcast and give us a rating of five stars on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Now, without further delay, let's get started. Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Heart Over Hype. I'm your host, Dr. Shamar Charles, and today we're talking alternative medicine, what's real, what's fake, and how to avoid the celebrity-endorsed snake oil that doesn't work and may even put your health at risk. To help break this down, I have with me herbalist, doula, content creator, and mom extraordinaire, Amber Smith, my friend and an expert in all things alternative medicine. Amber's where science meets tradition, and as a healthcare professional, I think that's where we all want to be. Thanks for being here with us, Amber. So to start, we used to work together at NBC, and now you're in the plant-based medicine space. How did you get started? Sure. So I've always been, I mean, even growing up, um, my parents used herbal remedies. Um, when I was sick or had a cold, I was always taking like echinacea and zinc or ginger and, and different things like that. So it's always kind of been a part of my my life. But I really got into it after I had a miscarriage in 2017. Um, it was a really eye opening <laughs> experience. I know we've all heard about, you know, the, the medical racism and like, you know, that kind of thing that happens with black women and pregnancy and black women and health in general. And I experienced some pretty scary things with a doctor that I was, that I was working with and felt really, really violated. And after that, I was like, I never want to not know what's going on with my body, especially as a black woman, um, especially when it comes to my womb. Um, and having babies and health like that. And so that's when I really was like, okay, it's time to dive in. And that's when I did my first um, herbal medicine intensive here in Philadelphia with an herbalist, um, uh, Kenton Cobb from Circle and Spiral Herbal Herbal Medicine and, um, and really started to take my studying seriously. After I finished with Kenton's class, I apprenticed with Karen Rose. Um, and I'm, I just finished the second level of that apprenticeship um, with Karen Rose in New York. She's a master herbalist, really incredible. And um, what's so beautiful about her work um, is that she's a black woman for one, and she marries herbalism and spirituality together. So it's a practice of spiritual herbalism, which I think is super important and really um, added some depth to my, to my practice. I'm not sure if you've had a chance to take a step back and to think about this in depth, but What's the most fascinating thing you've learned so far? The most fascinating thing. I think I think the most fascinating thing is that our bodies speak to us, right? So it's like, it's learning to tune in. Okay, if I'm having pain here, what is this saying? Like, how can I, you know, not just band-aid this, but like, what is this saying to me? Um, like, like, for example, um, anger lives in the liver, right? And so if you're really angry, you might have some disruptions with like bile health or have constipation because you're holding, you know, a lot of things in. Um, so it's, 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 it's really allowed me and allowed me to help others to really listen to their body to see what their, their physical body and their spirits are saying. Is herbalism or plant-based medicine the same as alternative medicine? I just want to make sure that we get that clear for our viewers. What's your opinion on that? 
you know, I never really thought about it, but I don't, I don't think so. And personally, I really believe in integrative medicine. Like I believe that Western medicine has its place, herbal medicine has its place, has its place, and they play beautifully together. So um, I, I think um, saying that really specifying that integrative medicine is important um, is really important to me because I don't want anyone being like, oh, I can't take anything from a you know doctor or meds. I'm all natural. Like, no, that's not really how it works. Like, let's see how we can how we can marry these two together to really c- cultivate and create a regimen that's specifically for you, your body, and what your body's going through. I think a lot of people fail to realize that everything we take, whether it's supplements, plants, teas, they're all drugs and. Uh, they can all be used for medicinal purposes. So we have to be careful with what we put in our bodies. But for the few who are hip to this fact, it can be a little bit overwhelming. When do we use traditional Western medicine? When do we use alternative medicine? Is there a space for both? How do we know when to use one over the other? That's, that's I think it's, it's definitely situation by situation. But I think, like I said before, I think that they really play well together. Um, for example if you're having an issue that you need to be like have remedied quickly, take your Western medicine, but like, okay. And back to female health. Cause that's kind of like what I specialize in. Say you have a chronic, chronic yeast, you're having chronic yeast infections. Okay. You know, like if you need, you're in pain, you're, you're suffering, you're, you're, you know, you need to fix those symptoms. Cool. Fix those symptoms, take the diflucan, take the antifungal cream, whatever. And then replace that with what's going to strengthen your system with herbal medicine. So I'm taking, I'm using neem, you know, I'm using um, black seed oil, you know, different things to treat yeast infections alongside with my Western medicine that's going to take care of these symptoms quickly. And then I'm using this herbalism to build my body back up stronger so I don't succumb to yeast again, or that I'm able to cut out, you know, that problem in general. And then, you know, adding in all the factors of lifestyle, like what does my diet look like? What does my sleep look like? What does my hydration look like? You know, adding all these things together, I think marry to make a really beautiful way, a, a beautiful path to healing. I always boast to my friends and families that I don't get sick. Uh, and honestly, I have to give all the credit to my grandmother. She was the first person to introduce me to preventative medicine. In fact, she was introducing me to preventative medicine even before I knew that preventative medicine was a thing. When I would get sick, or even when I would mention getting sick, she would come up with some type of concoction. It always included celery and ginger and turmeric. And I truly believe that this would help to prevent or forestall whatever illness I was feeling. And I find that that story is very common in black communities. I'm sure that it's not exclusive to black communities, but I find that uh, these stories are really common in our communities. Have you had similar experiences? Is this something that you uh, hear about often? I do think it's a uniquely indigenous experience. I don't think just um, black people, but Latino people, Native American people, um, people of Asian heritage, I think we all have these indigenous medicines that come from our people. Um, and that, and, and because they come from our people, they really treat our, our body responds really well to them because there's a historic genetic kind of like gene expression of response to these certain herbs and certain things. So yes, like, like I said, even my family, like I grew up um, with a lot of like plant-based herbal remedies um, that I didn't even think about, you know, it's just like, oh, if you're getting sick, take the echinacea, like, you know, you do this, that, and the other. Oh, there's a bring me back soup that my grandmother makes anytime anyone is sick and it really does bring you back, you know? So, um, yeah, I think that's a really important, important part of our culture not to lose um, and to embrace. Even when you talk about pregnancy and birth, like, 
um, black midwives. I mean, in the history of midwifery and OBGYN, like they were demonized um, as like not qualified, as dirty, as all these things. And now black women are so much more likely to die in childbirth, um, you know, versus like having, you know, midwifery care and, and black midwif midwifery care. So, you know, yes, I think that's a super important thing to remember and to embrace um, when you're thinking about your health and wellness and your journey is like going back to your roots and seeing what, what did my people use? What, what, and I, I kind of get jealous of uh, people from the islands because I feel like they have so many more um, <laughs> remedies. Like the, the woman that I studied, studied under was from Guyana and like she brings so much wisdom and herbs from that island. Um, and so many stories of like the medicine women of that island and how they, they, they healed um, the community. So yes, definitely go back to your roots because there's a, there's a lot of we're as as African American people as as people of the diaspora we have so much resilience in our in our in our blood in our bones in our gene expression that we can tap into because we're survivors. I think you may be onto something when you talk to this idea that we may be genetically primed to be responsive to natural forms of medicine. What are some can't miss herbs that everyone should have? in their diet one like one um herbal mix that i think is just great for every day is nettles and oat straw uh, now nettles is an herb that is super super nutrient dense um, um it's like it's kind of like a, a daily vitamin almost the kind of like minerals and nutrients that you can get from uh nettles and oat straw especially for women um is very nutritive as well but it's nutritive and calming like i remember when we learned about oat straw um, Karen, our teacher said like, this is what I drink oat straw anytime I have to go on social media, just to, like protect my peace. So like there's th that combination is, is really beautiful for just an everyday building and strengthening and nourishing of our bodies. Um, we talk about detoxing so much, but a lot of times, like instead of a detox, our body needs like a, a nourishment dump, you know? So, um, those two herbs are great for just nourishing the, the blood nourishing the body and just keeping your body just up and healthy. Um, uh, for women, red raspberry leaf, <laughs> red raspberry leaf has been transformative to, for me and my own like womb and womb health. It tones and tightens, um, the uterus and, and it's also an astringent herb. So it, it dries up any like extra discharge or anything like you have in that area, especially uh, postpartum, it helps the uterus come back together. Mm -hmm. Studies show that women who drink red raspberry tea during pregnancy have quicker labors with fewer complications so that's another herb that you can take at all stages it helps with period cramps um just regulating your period and in, in, in all those instances as well so um those are three and also one that's super easy and super accessible uh, that i believe in strongly is garlic garlic um especially during cold and flu season I eat a clove of raw garlic a day and I don't just like pop it in my mouth and eat it because that's a lot and it's spicy and a little funky, but like chop up like half a clove, chop up some garlic, um, mix it with a little avocado, put it on your toast, bam, with some salt. It's delicious. And you're getting like, I always say like garlic is like Lysol for the body. <laughs> it's really cleansing um, and really boosts your immune, immune system and kills bacteria. It's antibacterial, it's antifungal, um, it's antiviral. So it's a, it's a super boost that everyone kind of has um, access to, easy access to. Two others that I have to ask you about are turmeric and ginger. My dad takes turmeric for his prostate and he swears by it. He also says that it's an anti-inflammatory. What are your thoughts on that? Oh my God, um, I'm a big, big fan of ginger. Um, ginger is so great. It's a warming herb. It's really great for your digestive system. Digestive system. It's a carminative, which means it helps with gas 
um, and any, all that kind of stuff. And I know a lot of us suffer with like IBS and different gastrointestinal issues. So ginger is like my go-to for that. If you're pregnant, the only thing <laughs> that helped me with my nausea in the morning were ginger chews. So um, they help with nausea. Um, like I said, like any digestive issues, if you just ate too much, make yourself a cup of ginger tea. If your throat is sore, make your cup, make yourself a cup of ginger tea. It's also antiviral and antibacterial. Um, turmeric, amazing anti-inflammatory. And what a lot of people don't realize is turmeric can also be used topically. Like you can make a turmeric oil if you have like arthritic hands and, and rub your hand to that turmeric oil and it'll help with that inflammation and pain. Um, so also realize there's like different uses to herbs that you probably aren't, um, aren't tapped into or tuned into. So yeah, like turmeric is one of those that can be um, ingested um, by mouth or used topically. Amber's a new mom, y'all. Congratulations. Uh, how has being a mom changed your practice or enhanced your, your practice, if at all? Wow. Um, it's been eye-opening. Um, I'm, a, I'm a doula as well as an herbalist, and I've, I've been, you know, really focused on pregnancy and pregnancy health, womb health, fertility, and all that. But now for myself experiencing postpartum for the first time, and then even having a baby for the first time and thinking about herbs that I can, I can provide to him, it's really been eye-opening. Um, I definitely don't think that society talks about postpartum enough and really cares for women enough during that postpartum period. Um, I've learned so many beautiful, beautiful practices journeying through it myself. Like for example, the first 40 days, um, having you know enough help and support to, so those first 40 days, you're literally in bed with baby and healing and not like up and, you know, having to clean and cook and worry about anything, but being in bed with baby, bonding, healing, breastfeeding, learning all of that. Cause a lot of these things, I, I think that pregnancy childrearing is, is such a community effort and we've lost that um, in the West and it, and it breaks my heart because there's, there's so many traditions that we've lost as far as like being cared for and eating like strong herbal, um, herbal-based soups and teas to heal the body, um, to help heal the body as you go through postpartum. Um, things that are passed down from our grandmothers that we've lost. Like one thing that I learned that African-American women do is we uh, or some attrition, tradition that's been passed down is to not eat any raw foods during the first six weeks of postpartum, only warming foods. Um, so your body doesn't have to work extra hard to break down anything. Um, and, you know, those warming foods kind of like, you know, release nutrients a little quicker. So uh, it's been eye-opening and I can't wait to integrate my experiences um, with pregnancy and postpartum into my practice. I'm sure being a woman also informs your practice. Why do you think so many more women seem to be open to different uh, alternative forms of medicine as opposed to men? I think that women are more dominant in any healing space because they're more open to healing and admitting, hey, I have an issue. I think men, and, and especially when it comes to their health, um, have a hard time seeking out help or you have like an inherent distrust um, to seeking out help. Um, so I think that that's what it is more so than anything. I also think that women are more nurturing and we have um, an inherent connection to, you know, mother earth, connection to the earth and connection to, and not afraid to marry like, you know, the spiritual parts of, of, of plant medicine um, to our healing and to our regiments are, are really are more readily open to do that and journey through that. Let's switch gears for a minute and talk about marijuana, specifically its medicinal use for pain, anxiety, sleep, uh, et cetera. 
What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a beautiful, beautiful medicinal herb. I think it's easy with any herb or any medicine, it's easy to abuse things, right? So I think we have to be, there's a, there's a, a fine line there, but I do think that it's, it's a beautiful plant to work with um, if you're in pain, if you have insomnia, if you're in pain, insomnia, if you have anxiety, I think it's a beautiful herb to work with. CBD is something that I personally feel like has like cracked the code for my personal anxiety. As a black woman, I always tell other black women like CBD cracked the code, you just need CBD. So um, I think there's like several ways that marijuana can be, can be used medicinally. I've worked with, um, I've worked with my mom actually on using marijuana to uh, get better sleep and, and not marijuana and CBD to get better sleep and to step away from um, some pharmaceuticals and try to restore her, her melatonin, melatonin levels naturally and be able to fall asleep naturally. So I think it has tons of medicinal value. Sorry, one last one. This is a bonus one, Kratom. Uh, it's been a hot button topic, especially for its use in curbing opioid addiction, but the FDA doesn't seem to approve of it. Uh, they've really tried to crack down on the drug. What are your thoughts on that? So Kratom, I haven't worked with personally. I've heard of it. I've researched it as, as something that has helped people to break that opioid addiction. And I think that that's beautiful, but I also feel like it's one of those herbs that you need to be careful with um, and not just jump to and thinking like, oh, I, I, I heard this is hot, like, let me try this out. Like, no, like listen to your body because there's also effects to all of these herbs. So listen to your body, talk to your healthcare professionals, talk to naturopaths, herbalists in your area and really see if this is like a, a proper herb for you to work with. And when we're talking about addiction, like there isn't, there's never like a one cure all thing, right? So yes, you can work with something that to help, you know, bring you off of those opioids, but you should also be working with herbs to help with getting to the root of addiction and coming out, coming off of addiction and, and the emotional and spiritual toll that that plays as well. If someone wants to learn more about alternative forms of medicine, like uh, traditional Chinese medicine, for example, where can they go? What resources are out there for them to uh, learn more about this type of uh, cultural medicine? I think that definitely uh, visiting a naturopath is a really great idea in your area that has credentials and, and kind of knows what's going on there. Um, you can look it up. You can go usually at your local apothecary, you're going to have people there who have some knowledge um, on herbs and herbalism. And always check with your doctor and check, you know, look up any herb that you want to take and see if you have any contraindications. Um, for example, if you are pregnant or if you're taking certain medicines, certain herbs shouldn't be ingested. Um, but as far as resources, I would say seek out somebody trusted in your community first. Like, you know, you can learn a lot of things on Instagram, but I wouldn't just try a lot of things on Instagram because whoever is posting on Instagram doesn't know you and your body. And anyone can say anything on Instagram. So um, definitely seek out um, people with some credentials and some experience. One of the biggest knocks on alternative medicine is that many of the modalities and plant-based medicines that are used are not well studied. So not surprisingly, some people will say that uh, all of these different forms of alternative medicine work no better than placebo. What would you say to that? Um, I would say, <laughs> I think plants personally are really powerful and they've been really powerful in my life. But I do think healing, uh, healing the body in general is a lot to do with your mind and your mindset towards your healing. So I think it's, I, the whole idea and perspective of placebo is just interesting to me because why can't it just be my mindset is positive towards what I'm ingesting. And I think that can go with anything that you're taking. Like I can sit with my, you know, 
my prescription from the doctor and say, sit with that medicine and say, thank you so much for what you're doing and healing in my body. And I can say the same thing when I sit with an herb. Thank you so much for the healing that you're doing in my body. And I think that that's going to affect the way that the, the medicine affects me, period. Because I think your, your, your mindset has a lot to do with how you heal. If you're a listener and you're interested in getting involved in the alternative plant-based medicine space, uh, how do you get involved? Uh, where do you find the resources to sort of take your knowledge level to the next level? Oh, man, I think seek and you shall find, right? Because <laughs> I think like as, as long as you're seeking that, you can you can find your teachers. Um, it's like I said, when I after I had that miscarriage and that really scary medical experience, um, I sought out a teacher. Like I was like, I have to learn more about this. And really I encourage you to put into work there. Yeah, there's tons of books. And one of the first books that I worked with is the Herbal Medicine Makers Handbook um, by James Green. And it's an amazing book to start out if, with if you wanna just learn more about some basic herbs and how to use them and how to make your own teas, tinctures, syrups and things like that to kind of get yourself um, tinkering. But I encourage you to find teachers in your area. There's, there's more and more and more workshops available. There's tons of online courses to get you to like kind of start in to dive in and um, start practicing and exploring this stuff. But I definitely, definitely encourage you to work with somebody who is like, you know, who is an actual herbalist or a master herbalist or a naturopath um, that can give you more information. So you're not taking and uh, mixing things that don't really work together as you um, kind of just first start out. So by now, everyone knows that my favorite part of the show is this segment called Myth Busting. Basically, I ask you a question rooted in myth and you support or refute it. So my first question is this. We discussed the apprehension that some people have uh, about using plant-based medicines because they haven't been well-studied or thoroughly vetted by practitioners of Western medicine. Is that a legitimate reason for people to be reluctant about their use of certain herbs and plant-based medicines? I think you'd be doing yourself a disservice. Um, a lot of herbs, a lot of simple herbs are safe to use and explore with and see how your body reacts. Each body is different. And then ask yourself why there isn't a lot of scientific meta scientific research on it. It's not a big, you know, it doesn't, <laughs> there's not a big, there's not a big moneymaker there. You know, a, a stick of ginger doesn't cost too much. So um, explore that way. And then, you know, if these things have been used to heal um, people for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years, there has to be a little bit of validity there, um, you know. So just I would encourage them to explore and explore with an open mind. If someone gets over their reluctance and they talk to a trained professional and there is some sort of medical indication for them to take an herb, uh, can they just go to a regular grocery store and pick something up or do they have to go to some type of formulary or are there um, reputable online sites that they can go to to find any of these herbs? Um, yeah, there's so many kitchen sink herbs that you can find literally in your grocery store and you can incorporate just by cooking with making a chimichurri sauce with cilantro and parsley is like super good for your immune system. Cilantro, parsley and raw garlic, like, like super good for you. Ginger, you can find at the grocery store. Turmeric, you can find at the grocery store. Um, yeah, there's so much that you can use and incorporate that are just kitchen sink herbs that don't that aren't a big investment. Um, if you want to see how your body reacts to them medicinally, if you're struggling with um, certain things. So yes, I totally encourage you to go find them there. And if you want to, if you want to get herbs online or try something that you can't find in your grocery store, like nettles or oat straw, 
um, definitely go and I, I definitely say go to an apothecary and get loose herbs versus like buying like pre-made teas at like Whole Foods or anything like that. Because for those teas that you're buying there, you don't know how old those herbs are. Sometimes those herbs have been in that bag for three years and lost some of their potency. So I definitely encourage you to go to an apothecary, get mixes there, um, or buy loose leaf herbs there and, um, practice with those if you want to make a tea or a tincture or something like that, because they're generally going to be fresher and more potent. And my second question is how do people know that they're getting the real thing and not just some celebrity, uh, endorsed, uh, snake oil that doesn't really work. That's why I encourage you to go to an apothecary, um, go to an herbal shop so that you are talking to somebody, you know what you're working with versus like buying, just buying something online, especially if it's something you're not familiar with or familiar with how your body's going to react to it. Because at apothecaries, there's, there's, ugh, at apothecaries, there's usually an herbalist who can work with you on a plan for you specifically in your body. So you're taking these things safely for one in the right amounts, in the right ways. Like it's not something that's supposed to be a cold infusion and you're pouring hot water over it and making it a tea and not getting, pulling out the medicinal benefits that you need. So um, I definitely encourage you if you're just starting out and dabbling to go to uh, an established apothecary and speak with an herbalist or a naturopath or um, acupuncturist, Chinese medicine doctor before just kind of diving in on your own. That's a wrap, folks. Thank you so much, Amber. We learned so much. If you have any questions or comments, please send us a direct message on Instagram at HOH the podcast. Stay safe, wear a mask, and I can't wait for our next conversation. See you next week. for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.